Hello and welcome everybody. My name is Ryan. And my name is Heather. And this is Confidence Through Cabaret, the podcast. And today we are joined by a very extra special guest of the pod, the fabulous, the amazing Betty Wang. Betty Wang is the founder of Feng Shui Canary, uh, a New York-based Chinese metaphysics consulting company. Uh, she's a CPA turned classical Feng Shui consultant and a sixth generation disciple of Feng Shui grandmaster Tang Yang Wu. Uh, Betty aims to decipher the mysterious and, and esoteric art of Feng Shui to help her clients achieve their life aspirations. Hi, Betty. How you doing? Hi, Ryan. Hi, Heather. Thanks for having me. Thank wow. You. Like, Thank wow. You. Can we just, can we just take a moment to, to just pause that intro? I mean, wow. <laughs> this, well, is why, this is why we were so excited to talk to you. Right. It's just, it, you know, it's, it's such a, a relatable subject and it's something mm. that I think a lot of people don't know about. Mm. Um, and, and it, 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 the first thing when I, um, you know, kind of connected with you, was how clear it is that what you do deeply connects with the confidence that we can or don't have. Yeah, absolutely. How yeah. did you get involved in this? What was the, what, how did this journey start for you? It started when I was not happy at work. You know, life could be better. And I was seeking out all different ways to help myself. Uh, you know, I've done horoscope, tarot readings, just everything and anything that can make me feel like, oh, I'm on the right path. My life will improve. You know, the struggles at work are not as difficult because other people are seemingly doing it very well. And I'm just sitting here thinking in my head, like, why am I struggling so much? Why don't I feel like I live up to my potential every day? And so through that, you know, I was just searching endlessly for a way for someone to tell me you're doing it right. You are on the right path. And, um, you know, obviously going to a career coach or going to my boss or my colleagues talking it through wasn't all that helpful. So I turned to, you know, the esoterics to, you know, anything that could tell me, oh, this is, it's an energy of your home. It's you, it's how you feel. And I finally turned to feng shui because growing up in an Asian household, I've seen feng shui masters come through my home and I know how um, critical and decisive Asian parents are. So for them to believe in this art and for this art to survive thousands of years, I knew that there's something to it and I have to be able to tap into it and do it for my home too. And so that's what I did. And, you know, I did a lot of Google searches, um, bought a lot of things, a lot of placements, you know, rearranging endlessly. And it was still like, oh, I'm just pushing things around. I wasn't really getting the results. And I, that's when I started questioning, like, why doesn't this work? Because it's worked for other people. Like, I just felt like I was in this groundhog's day of like thoughts of, other people seems to be doing it fine. Why doesn't it work for me? Mm. And as I dug deeper and deeper, I finally realized, oh, I'm looking at westernized feng shui. This is not the feng shui uh -huh. practice in Asia. Right. Uh, so, and then I was like, oh, of course, because, you know, 
in the beginning, when I was doing Google searches, it'll tell me things like, oh, the Southwest is love. It's this color. It's this element. And I would just do everything to complement or match that exact saying. But that's not how it's done. You know, when I finally met my master and did my studies under her, she basically blew the lid open and was like, this is just one piece of the much, much broader picture that it's really difficult to convey that message in social media or in a very like short blurb that easily digestible for people. So it just over time evolved into this, like, oh, that's all feng shui is. And it was very disheartening to uh, learn that in the beginning, but also really, really exciting. So yeah, as I dug more into it, I was just like, I love this, that that's where my confidence come through, where it's so easy for me to do this. I can walk into a space and tell you, I can point out all the structural issues because it's just second nature to me, you know? Um, and yeah, and that's when I sort of decided that you, I've got to do something that I'm good at and also easy for me and not struggle to make myself live up to someone else's expectation. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> it's always such a thing, isn't it? To kind of like to, to live your life through somebody else's lens by, you know, by their ideas of what and how we should live our lives. Um, yeah, very powerful. Um, so, so how has it impacted you now that you, that once you got onto the path, mm. how did that change? Yeah, so I got to see, so the space, um, if you can see now, this is my new place. I was living in uh, another apartment down the road um, for four years. And after I realized what I was doing, I took a look at my feng shui chart, my energetic map. And one thing about feng shui that not everybody realizes is there's a time aspect to it. So it's not just you rearranging your home and, you know, love and money and fame will come to you. Mm -hmm. It is how will your life play out um, in five, 10 years Mm. when the energy sort of shifts around you, when you're subject to the influence of the energy of your home, how does that influence you and everything around you? And, you know, what are the implications of it on your health, on your finances, on your relationship? So once I got my certification, I checked out my space and it basically painted this picture for me of like, yeah, you know, these um, struggles you've been having personally, professionally, uh, it's sort of just painted a really broad picture for me where my life in one way or another was following that trend, following that trajectory. And it was very eye-opening for me to see. Um, But, you know, I was lucky that I was certified. So I know how to um, work with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, during quarantine, uh, one thing I worked on is uh, my social life. Uh, you know, we're all locked away. I didn't, you know, being in New York, being in, a, in the hotbed of everything, right. I was being very careful, but I also could not see myself sitting in my home just days on end. So I started volunteering. So I started doing other things 
And all of that is through shifting the uh, feng shui of my home. Um, I found love, you know, it's just things, it, it takes time, but you have to know what you're doing um, and just be committed. Right. And so just for, uh, just for anybody who's not as familiar or not familiar with feng shui, would you mind giving a, a sort of a definition of, of uh, your appreciation and your practice? Sure. Um, so I see feng shui as, uh, I call it the energetic map of your home. So, you know, every one of us is born with a birthday. You know, if you go to an astrologer, they'll tell you these are the moons and the stars uh, when this minute when you're born, right? So the homes have that too. So the second you moved into your home, the, that's the birthday of the home. And from there, that's where the personality of the home comes out. So as you live in that home for five, 10 years, you see the personality. It's as if you're raising a child or a pet, right? You see how they react to things. And that's exactly how your home is. And you feng shui is really to help you nurture that personality, really enhance the good things, right? And remedy the bad traits, so that your personality with um, the home and yourself, it could be a harmonious relationship. Beautiful. So how is it different from, you mentioned the, the Western kind of version of Feng Shui to, to the Chinese version. How, what, what kind of differences would we see if, if we were experiencing either? Mm -hmm. So, um, the Western version isn't different from the Chinese version. It's just a very small portion of it. So they are all rooted in the same thing. So um, in Chinese or in the classical feng shui, everything has to be calculated and it's very customized to, a, to your home. So even though let's say Ryan and Heather, you move in to the same apartment building, um, you know, maybe neighbors or upstairs from each other, on the same day you will still have um well actually uh on a different time so you move in maybe ryan moved in five years earlier heather then moved in there's a possibility that your charts will be different right even if you live in the same building on the same block you know it's not guaranteed that your function is the same you know in america there's a lot of neighborhoods where um you know, all the houses look the same and the layout of each house are more or less the same. And naturally someone would have assumed that once you do the feng shui of one home, you can maybe share that with all your neighbors, but you really can't because the people living in there are different. So their birthday and how that interacts with feng shui is different. And, um, you know, when they moved in is different. So that determines a different period for them. So it is all very intricately calculated. Whereas if you just Google feng shui now, you'll find feng shui maps or a bagua map. And that map basically spells out everything for you. You know, this corner is for career, that corner is for mentorship, this corner is for love. And so you put, you know, plants, you put crystals here. Like it's very prescriptive and very one size fits all. Um, and we all know that no matter what it is, there's nothing that's one size fits all. We're different. Our homes are different. You know, it just doesn't always work. 
And I think, I think just going back to something that you said, I think people need to hear that this isn't something that happens instantly. You know, you did this and now it's all different. It takes time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, I've worked with a lot of clients where um, one person who I've been working with ha believe in it wholeheartedly, but they have other family members who doesn't believe it or just think that, you know, this is just some new age stuff that marketing or whatever is trying to take your money. And what I tell people usually is to try it for three months. If after three months, you don't see a difference, you can move it back, you know? Um, one very um, recent example I can tell you is, um, and this might be jumping ahead to what we're going to talk about later, but um, one of my clients approached me recently and said, she has, you know, she's a single woman. She has, she's focusing on her career, but seemingly there are just um, people that she's engaged with on a professional level with mistaken that relationship for a personal um, engagement. And she's like, it's so strange that's been happening since January. You know, there's just multiple incidents of that happening. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, during the conversation, she also told me she loves water. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, that's a odd confession, but, you know, great. Tell me more about your, your love for water. And what she told me is that whenever she hears, um, like the waterfall, white noise, waterfall, um, she could sleep really, really well. So what she did was she bought a, a small waterfall and put it in her bedroom. Okay. And one of the feng shui no-no is having moving water in your bedroom because it is too much activity in your bedroom. You know, for a single person, you might think, yeah, I want that activity. I want to meet those, you know, my future spouse or whomever, mm -hmm. but because it's overly active, you are attracting literally everyone and anyone. So it is not ideal. And I asked her, oh, when, you know, she's like, I have no idea why this is happening. Um, so I asked her, you know, when did you purchase that uh, water fountain? And she was like, probably October some time frame, October, November time. So it's really just like within two, three months, if you just have it moving, it, your life, things will happen. Even if you're not doing anything, other people will come to you. Right. So these are just really strange scenario of like, you have to look out for it. You know, ha she had no idea that this is a thing in feng shui, but once you point it out, yeah, you can make the correlation. Wow. Right. That's very cool. So, and you, you um, talk about different I don't know how you even just, I'm, I'm going to say categories because I don't know what the language is around it, but different different forms of feng shui maybe is a better way of saying it. So what are those forms or however you explain it? Yeah, so there are um, many, many schools of feng shui. Um, so, you know, the westernized feng shui has their school, but within um, Asia, there are different sectors of the school because um, I think as feng shui developed over the years um, in Asia back in the day, 
there are people in different regions and they found things to work for their region. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's this like East and West group, that's one school of feng shui. And then there's just a flying star feng shui, which is the classical feng shui that I practice. And then there, and those are all very sort of, um, you know, calculation based. We're looking at your, the numbers of your home and see how that works. And it's very specific to your birthday, things like that. There's another school of feng shui that is more, um, prevalent um, if you also you know do your google search is the structural feng shui so structural feng shui is everything that you can see it is you know where are the beams where are the pillars where is your bathroom located where are the doors things that is just um, innately built in a home and then the classical side is really abstract you really can't see it touch it but you'll understand it more as you live in a space and be able to relate your experiences with it. Okay. okay. That's, that's helpful. And I think, you know, we were talking about this before people are working from home so much more now mm-hmm. um, or spending more time in their home, even if they are still going out to work because of various forms of lockdown and so on. So, so it's, it's important to, to be able to recognize that, that the energy that you have in your home and, and what you can do to move it towards the energy that you want in your home. So would you mind taking us through some of the, the sort of structural feng shui mm. principles? I don't know. If, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with the language. I don't know if there are principles or rules. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they all work. Uh, yeah, so I've gathered a few uh, structural uh, feng shui rules to help you navigate your space. You know, I think some of it works apply to your home and some of it also apply when you are uh, working at an office or, you know, at a client site. So these are just uh, things to look out for. Um, And really my focus is to help with uh, your well-being. I think these, um, because last year, what happened last year, everybody's a little stressed. There's a, a low level hum of tension and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So if you add on these feng shui no-nos, um, that anxiety is heightened a little. So if you can help eliminate that or rearrange to avoid it, it should help you in the long term. So um, I've alluded to this earlier, with the first thing that we should look out for, you know, if you're at your desk right now, you know, look up, do you have a beam above you? Do you have a pillar near you where it's sort of like the pillar is just half, you know, this is the pillar and it's just cutting you in half. You really want to shift your desk away from the pillar. You don't want the pillar to be directly above you, you know, above your head, uh, you know, either way. Um, you want to be in between the pillars and the beams. So that if you imagine, um, and this is not a great example, but if you ha- you're in an enclosed door, uh, a room, and you smoke a cigarette, right? You'll see how that smoke bounces around, mm-hmm. right? And if it hits a furniture, it will just move a different way. Right. So imagine energy acting like smoke. If it hit a pillar, hit a beam, it's going to change its direction. And guess what? It's coming directly at you if you are sitting in the line of that sort of energy, right? So avoiding sharp corners, um, you know, like the edge of a wall or beams in particular, 
those are, um, if, if it possible, you know, a lot of work settings um, I've seen um, have, you know, exposed piping and, um, you know, people like that aesthetic. It's nice, but, um, you know, if the ceilings are not high enough, um, it could really uh, have some health issues over the long term. If, you know, if you're just going to sit there for a day for a conference, it's not a big deal, but the theme is over the long term, you want to be able to avoid that. Um, one of the things that we've talked about um, a couple of times in the past, uh, and certainly when we we first chatted, um, was about uh, things to do with the the home environment as well that kind of tie in with this. That as obviously everyone, so many people are now the office space, as you say, is the workspace and the home space. I mean, the the room I'm in right now is is all of the spaces. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's bedroom, it's chill out space, it's also my workspace. Um, I remember there was something we were talking about to do with uh, mirrors, uh, mirrors in bedrooms and things like that. So I've not come across this before. What's the, what is it that causes the, the, the issue there uh, that that's a disconnect with, with mirrors in, in these spaces? Yeah, so um, mirrors are, you should avoid, especially like in your case, it's the mm. bedroom, it's the workspace, it's the hangout space. Right. You want to avoid mirrors that are facing your bed. Um, what it does great okay <laughs> <laughs> so the thing with mirrors is that um one symbolically it's not uh auspicious because if you are sleeping in bed with your partner mm. when the mirror reflects there's four of you you know there's a lot of people that are um you know into polyamorous relationship or the sure. open relationship if that's your deal go for it. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But the other aspect of mirror facing your bed is a health implication. Mm -hmm. So um, depending on what part of the body it's gonna, that is sort of mirrors, you need to watch out for that part. You know, sometimes it'll be at the foot of the bed. So maybe you trip more often or, you know, whatever the scenario may be, it's just going to be a little bit um, of a health care uh, concern. Mm. Um, there's also, uh, I, um, I don't know if you have that in UK, but there are mirrors, the closet walls, it's fully mm. mirror. So your entire yeah. bed is reflected. Right. And those are, you know, we need to be extra cautious of because that's your entire body. So anything goes, right? So yeah. again, you are spending what, seven, eight hours in your bed every night. And over the years, really health issues will develop. Um, and so, and it's hard to say, you know, on this call, where exactly it, the room that it's in, what are the combinations in that room? You know, they all play into it, but to avoid any sort of health concern, especially these days, you know, if you can cover that mirror at nighttime or, you know, use some sort of curtains or avoid it uh, in any way, that will be the most beneficial. Ooh, right, I will follow that. Thank you. And that and that is in the bedroom specifically. That that isn't necessarily in other rooms. Like, would that be true of the workspace as well, or is that where you're also spending seven or eight hours? Or yeah, yeah. Ideally, you don't want to have um, a mirror like you know next to your desk or anywhere. But the other thing is, you don't want mirrors facing your front door. 
you know, a lot of people have a long hallway and they put a mirror down there or, you know, um, when they walk into their home, there's a mirror directly in front of it. And the reason that you don't want a mirror there is because the front door is where the energy comes in. Right. And so you don't want to reflect that back. Ah, right. I see. Do you see, you want Mm -hmm. to have it meander into the home um, instead of having stale energy come through. So um, the rule of thumb for mirror is not facing the bed and not facing the door. Mm-hmm. Right. I see. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. That when you say it, then you're like, oh yes, that does make sense. Cause you're just pushing it straight back out the front door that it just came. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah. And, and I know that you've talked before about, you know, your front door and your back door, if there's like a, a straight hallway into that, mm. that's the same kind of, that, that's the, that sounds to me like the same kind of effect. And it's the energy is going back out if there's a mirror or going straight through. If there's a door. If there's a door. Yeah, if yeah. there's a door. Yeah, so um, I think in the States, there are a lot of, of mansions or just homes. You'll see that the front door will be facing the um, back door mm. uh, directly. And, you know, a lot of it is because the way that the house is built and there's really not much you can do to it. It's really unrealistic for a feng shui consultants to come in. It's like, you need to board up the back door and, you know, (laughs) another wall for the door. Um, So if that is in fact the case, you want to put furniture in between it because the whole point of feng shui is be able to have the energy meander, right? Mm -hmm. You want to have fresh energy come into your home and just meander around you instead of, have it come in through the front door and rush out through the back door. You know, it's not the case that you will have the front door and the back door open at the same time all the time, but that possibility, there's always gaps. There's always things for them to see through, right? And that symbolism here between the front door and the back door is really about your cash flow, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people living paycheck to paycheck. You make the money, you spend the money. Um, Sometimes it's because of lifestyle, but if you are someone who is, really conscious of your spending um other things will happen Mm -hmm. have you ever had an experience where you have you know some money come in and you have plans for it vacations you know some hobbies or whatever it is but then some incident will happen in your life whether it's like there's a leak or a family member in need or something like there's something always happen with that money is it's hard to keep you know, that is a scenario that these things will play out. So something to be conscious about how you allow the energy to meander in your home. Amazing. So what are the other kind of do's or don'ts in our bedroom since we're talking, because rest is such an important mm-hmm. mm. commodity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the other um, tip uh, related to your bedroom is, make sure your bed isn't in direct alignment of the door, you know? Um, So if you can open your bedroom door and hop on your bed right away, um, that is called a coffin position. Because if you think about at a funeral, the coffin is always in direct alignment in front of the door because, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, doesn't sound great, um, but again, this is a health implication, right? Um, because the idea is that you're letting energy sort of like harsh and direct energy sort of crash into your body. 
um, for seven, eight hours a night. So again, it's just too much, too um, yang of the energy. So that's something to look out for. You know, some homes or apartments, especially, there's not that sort of space to shift in any other way. And um, in that case, what you can do is make sure your doors are closed um, when you're sleeping or some people will have like those um, curtains over it, you know, block as much as you can, because if you can't move it permanently, you have to find a way to hide it or block it. Um, That's the rule of thumb. But ideally, you will want it to be moved um, to a different spot. Mm. Interesting, because my, my, the foot of my bed is comes straight and I can't move the bed. It's the only place the bed fits. Right. Um, and ironically, the bed has to sit underneath a um, kind of a pillar. <laughs> oh, no. oh, great. Difficult. <laughs> There's nowhere else for me to put that bed. <laughs> oh, God. Mm, um, well, um, for the pillar above you, um, if you are if you're into this aesthetic, you can put some sort of a canopy to soften that, uh, that sharp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. And then just shut my bedroom door. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. okay. So I know there's something about plants. Actually, there's a fair bit about plants, isn't there? Yes. Because there's lots of plants behind you. So I'm noticing plants and I'm thinking, okay, what do we need to know? Yes. About I'm a huge plant lover. Mm-hmm. So, yeah so I think as most system? plant owner um well yes in a classical sense yes because plants are you know have you seen those time-lapse videos of the plants just blooming and then collapsing at night so yeah. there's a lot of movement but they're so microscopic that you can't detect them sure. right so in a classical sense um we use plants as activations or um, remedies and those are specific spots calculated. But in the general structural side, um, you will want to limit movement in your bedroom period, right? Bedrooms, we want to keep it sort of um, dark, quiet, um, you know, not a lot of movement. You don't want to put your Peloton in there or any sort of like activity will, will stimulate you. Mm. Plants are the same thing. Um, I think most plant owner would put their plant where there's the best sunlight. And sometimes that's in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I want to caution against plant in your bedroom is because that's too much activity. And lately I have seen a, on you know social media, plants are just sort of everywhere in someone's bedroom. You know, I've seen a lot of photos that way, and I don't want that to be a new trend because it really impacts the the quality of your sleep because there's too much movement happening. You know, before you wake up in the morning, um, you know, at five, six o'clock when the sun is rising, the plants are already starting to opening up. So you don't really want that sort of activity. You want to be able to wake up naturally and feel well rested as opposed to other activities and noises waking you up. Mm. okay so that's made me think of something because we're coming into summer for most of the world Mm. so Mm. sleeping with a fan on in your bedroom is that also a bad idea because that's movement isn't it and noise actually yeah that's a great question yes 
fans are not ideal and especially um, ceiling fans, you know, typically you'll, if it's in a bedroom, you'll see them spinning above you. It's not ideal. Um, it, but it's not something that you could just say, don't use a fan because, and just, you know, sweat in bed. Right. Yeah. Um, it is really not ideal to have that, but I think the one thing that, and I don't know if this thing actually exists, but if it were up to me, um, instead of the blades, um, if you can put something to soften the blade, um, if there's like a sleeve of some sort to make it less sharp, um, that would be ideal. Uh, and you know, maybe technologies have advanced where you can time the fan so that it's not moving the entire night. You really just need it to cool you down to fall asleep, right? So these things are not ideal. And I think, Heather, that's a great question. Um, And so to that, I would say, do the best you can. Still live your life. Don't let feng shui hinder you in any way. Um, It's meant to empower you, but you know, we have to just do within our limits. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Really good question as well. I mean, like, because you've gone on this whole journey with um, with feng shui and really been able to incorporate it into your business and your life. Um, how has it empowered you, and how has that how has that given you that confidence and that strength? Yeah, well, I think for me, uh, it allowed me to express myself in a certain way. Um, I think. And same for my clients, I think a lot of it, the clients that I've um, engaged with are someone who is in wanting a change, someone who is either, you know, looking for change in themselves or in their environment, they're renovating, they're moving, you know, there's something that's changing with them. Um, and with feng shui, I think it really gave me a confidence of like, okay, this is a blueprint to help me get to where I want to get to. Instead of me just willy nilly doing what I think looks right or feels right in the moment. Um, I think that assurance that there, this has been tried and tested for thousands of years and that you know there's a reasoning behind why certain things are the way they are. I think it gave people a comfort level and also, you know, um, a lot of my clients are usually seek me out because they have trouble making certain decisions, especially a decision about your home that's you know more or less semi-permanent for however long that you'll be there. Um, so to give them um, an added confirmation or a second opinion on what they are thinking, I think it really gave them the, the boost to go ahead and do what they w- want to do. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, so um, so just coming away from the bedroom, because I know listeners will then be saying, okay, what about workspace? Are mm-hmm. there any things that that enable us to to create the right kind of flow for our workspace? Yeah. So in terms of workspace, you know, nowadays people are working from their kitchen table, from their daughters bedroom, you know, anywhere that you can find peace and get work done, that's where you're sitting, right? And especially with um, the spring coming, maybe you'll work outside. So there's a lot of options. And so there's not a structural thing to say like, oh, sit by the garden, right? So what I want to offer are, you know, 
within every year, um, I spoke about flying star feng shui, you know, all about energy and how that sort of moves every year. So every year there is the numbers move and the numbers signify a specific energy and they have meanings to it. And so with that, there are certain directions that are good, certain directions that are not great. So um, what I can share for your workspace is the directions that you should absolutely not face. And what I mean by facing is, you know, we're sitting here right now, what, what direction is your face looking at, right? So what you should absolutely avoid facing this year, um, and you can check this after the um, session to see where you're facing, um, it is the southeast direction and the northeast direction. Damn it. <laughs> Literally my room. <laughs> I knew it. As soon as it started, I was like, it's going to be where I'm facing. <laughs> so right now you're facing the southeast. Southeast, yeah. So see if you could shift your desk a little bit so that you're not facing the southeast. Right. Okay. I'll yeah. take Perfect. I'm sitting here very smug because I'm facing north. I, I checked this before because we talked about this before. So, um, so, so, but I don't normally work here. Right. Um, and I think, so why is that? Why, why, why are, why are we supposed to face one way and not another? Sure. Um, yeah. So th uh, think of flying star feng shui as a, um, a tic-tac-toe grid. Okay. And instead of X's and O's, you have numbers. You have numbers one through nine. Okay. And every year there's a defined way of how the numbers shift, right? And each number, they represent something good or something bad. Um, or they just, you know, they have a certain meaning to them. Mm -hmm. So this year, number five, the worst number is, has landed in the southeast sector. So you don't want to facing that direction to be subject to that energy. You also, if you look at your home's floor plan, don't want to be sitting in the southeast sector of the home, right? Mm. So you want to just avoid southeast period. Um, and similarly, Heather, you, you mentioned you are facing north. I'm curious if you're also in the north sector of your home. I was just literally just thinking about that. No, I am in the southeast sector of my home right now. Yeah. I don't really work from here, but I but I am. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this year, if you can move away from the southeast, yeah. Don't sit there, don't sleep there, don't face that direction. Um, that'll be ideal because it's one of the most more afflicted directions this year. Mm, interesting. Okay. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. So people can just, but they can, if, if you, if you are in a space and that's where you need to work or sit, then just shift. Shift just, yeah. Um, shift just a little bit. So you, maybe you face the East or the South, if that's possible. Mm -hmm. um, and if you absolutely cannot, like my desk is bolted in, it's, mm -hmm. you know, I can absolutely not move. Just know, like when you have important calls, if you have a pitch, you have, you know, whatever it is, don't sit at your desk, go find somewhere else. Okay. Right, right. So it's very important that, you know, to remember that we still have to live our life 
um, and not let feng shui be in the way because I think often people get um, very uh, stuck on a particular principle and sort of try to shift their entire life around it and when they can they just feel well I guess I'm doomed and just sort of give up like that's not the attitude um, and that's not how this is supposed to work because it's it's meant to empower you um, you know another instance is I have a lot of people coming to me thinking feng shui is all about decluttering you know your home has to look like architectural digest right and we know that's not the reality right we, you know, people have kids, have pets, like there's just a normal course of clutter that just happens in a home. And if you believe that feng shui is all about keeping your home in like immaculate status, like then we're all doomed because that's just not how it works. Yeah. Clutter is fine as long as you're not living like a hoarder. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Funny. Just just because you were mentioned numbers and I know you, you earlier you mentioned about, mm -hmm. you know, birthdays and and so how much play does it come into because, you, you know, it is a personal thing. Mm -hmm. So how much how much interplay does our birthday and those numbers fit with Feng Shui or do they come into it? Yeah, so um, birthdays come in where things are very uh, customized. So one example that I can give is within the home, you know, let's say a bedroom. Um, if you have the option to pick a few bedrooms, there are certain combinations where it, it promotes laziness is the best way I can put it. Right. Um, and then if I look at someone's uh, birth chart, and see that they also have that tendency to just be a little lazy, a little just sort of like, if you can do it, you know, if I could just sit back, I will kind of attitude, then you don't want to pair those two people together because they're just not going to be very productive in that room. Whereas um, in that same space, if you put someone who is driven, motivated, just intrinsically, they will get things done. That room wouldn't have as big of an impact on them because they have that drive. Mm. Um, so it's really about seeing how the two fits together. Right, right. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, okay, another, when, you, when you, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to. Um, I was going to say another um, aspect that I look at is in terms of health. You know, there are certain rooms that are really good for finances, but not for health, right? That's another thing I forgot to mention is um, within the flying star chart, there is two energies that governs each space, one that governs finance and the other uh, with relationship and health. So another piece where the birth chart comes in is on a birth chart, you can see where uh, a person's health is, you know, if they are weaker or if they have a tendency to be, to get sick more easily, then if you have a room that's really not good for health, you wouldn't pair the two together because even if it's really good for finances, um, the scenario that it's likely to play out is that this person will work themselves to the detriment of their health. Right. Interesting. Okay, so what I was going to ask was, was that was, was re really related to that is, so how do you work with clients? So if someone wants to work with you, what, what do they do? How, how does that, obviously, you meet and discuss, but what, 
but what do you do together? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I generally have a call with my client to understand, you know, what it is that made them consider uh, what are they going through at the moment, either you know, what, what are their goals? Where are they trying to get to? Are they trying to find love? Are they trying to reinvent themselves in a career or just wanting to improve their life period, right? Uh, and during that process, we talk about how long they've been in their space. What are they are willing to do? You know, are they willing to knock down walls? Are they thinking of just changing furnitures? Are, are, are they considering moving? You know, all that kind of considerations. And then um, when we actually start to work together, I asked a floor plan and, um, you know, and have them take some directions and provide me the birthday of, the, of themselves and whoever that resides in the home with them. And that's it. And then you make recommendations of overcoming energy blocks or or loss yeah well once I have all of that information I take a look at their um their energetic blueprint to see what I um what it is trending towards right and once that is sort of determined I help them with placement if it's not how I would suggest I will make those suggestions of like if you have the option in the room you should move your bed this way or you move your desk this way. You know, what sort of elements should you incorporate into your space? Um, Chinese metaphysics is elementing elements. So we use the five elements as enhancements and as remedies. So through looking at their, um, you know, their home, I will be able to tell, you know, you should absolutely avoid fire element in a certain room, or you should absolutely have metal in another room, you know, and it, it's just an added awareness of like, what should you do and not do in a certain space, right? If I say do not have fire in that space, then don't light a candle, don't have your lights uh, light up all day, um, things like that. So it's just an added awareness of like, what you can do on a day-to-day -day basis to help your energy. Right, oh, I see. This is fascinating. It is so, it just, it, it, I mean, we could be here, well, for days. I yeah. mean, because it gets deeper and deeper, doesn't it? It's- I know, each time I'm like, and then what happens? <laughs> I know, I, and then each thing you, you explain, I'm like, oh, I need more of that. And <laughs> Fully. This is, fabulous uh, I would say that um so how what do people do I mean obviously they can get in touch with you or they can they can work with a feng shui professional um if they want to know more where should they start um they could start at my Instagram um I try to use that as a platform to educate people on what real and you know, not so real feng shui is, right. um, you know, because I think a lot of the times feng shui is combined with law of attraction, you know, with manifesting, there is a component to it, but it's often mixed up to say law of attraction is feng shui. It is not right. So 
um, there's nothing wrong with working the two together, but I think it's really important to know what principles are feng shui that's in your control to change and what aspects are other modalities that are sort of mixed in with feng shui. So mm -hmm. on my Instagram page, I try to educate people on all of the structural feng shui themes. So you can go through and sort of do a house walkthrough and see which parts apply to you. Um, and I try to sprinkle in some classical stuff every now and then when it's applicable. But yeah, um, if you have any questions, I welcome you to e uh, message me or email me. Um, or you could do your own research, but just know that there you have to be able to discern what is classical and what is not. Right. Do you struggle with that? I mean, is uh, without you know without sort of harping onto that, but do you really struggle with that with breaking down that barrier of like how people have have taken it and diverted it for their own kind of means? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I'm all for people doing what they have experienced as positive to share with other people. But I think, um, but I disagree when it comes to um, diluting the message and the meaning of feng shui. You know, in all, I feel like people can relate to this in all different aspects, right? When it's not purely feng shui, it hurts me when I hear that, oh, you should do this because it's a feng shui principle. And then when I read it or see it, it has nothing to do with feng shui, but, and it's just a mixed message to make people think, you know, that it is, you know, that's why I get questions on a daily basis of like, should I declutter? Will you help me declutter? Mm. Like, it's not a feng shui principle, but I see how they're connected. Right. So, you know, it's just, I, I take it on as my work to help decipher that for my audience sure that's amazing nice nice so we have some cabaret questions i'd like to ask oh okay so if you were performing on a stage mm -hmm. in cabaret what one item would you have on stage with you? It might be a prop, it might be something actually on the stage. What, what would you want to have with you? Hmm, I think I want wings. Oh, always a good choice. Yeah. yeah. Always a great choice. Oh, I like that, wings. Yeah. There are many yeah. from in, uh, within Cabaret as well. There are so many different variations on the wing style that we could that you can employ as costume pieces as well. That's exciting, I like that. Thinking, so what are your wings like like imagine I don't know. I well because I feel like you know I'm not a performer I'll be very awkward on stage but if I could have like big wings where I could just hold on to and just flop them around I feel like I will feel more confident in just right. performing because it's I could do that without feeling like I'm performing and just making a fool out of myself yeah Oh, I'm yeah. sure I hear that. That it, it, I, I sometimes wonder why it's my hobby, but <laughs> um, I but think it, people but, yeah. are very elegant. I'm just not one of those people that can, you know, get with the rhythm. <laughs> I have made a career out of not being elegant, so I, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I don't have any rhythm. Are we supposed to have rhythm? <laughs> I, I fell off the stage mid-song once, so we're fine. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 
so I, I saw him fall off the stage and then he just carried on. Oh, it was too funny not to. <laughs> <laughs> My exact I words like, were half I like that. Long, I, like that. I didn't die. <laughs> I like that idea of having wings because that um, not only would it cause you to feel more confident, but mm -hmm. I just, I'm just getting this, this feeling of movement, of energy, mm -hmm. of, you know, just flow, which is just so suits you. Yeah, yeah. You know, if the audience is falling asleep, I could swing my <laughs> wings up and wake them up, you know, some air. So. <laughs> yes, yes. I love that, I love that. And what is your stage name in this performance? Oh. Uh... I don't know. I, well, my company is called uh, Feng Shui Canary. So I would be something of a canary. Um, I don't know, like the Magnificent Canary or something. Everybody else go home. The Magnificent Canary has arrived. <laughs> Fully agree. Love that. Love that. Yeah, that's yes. beautiful. That's that is a wonderful way of doing that. I love that. <laughs> that would be a great name to introduce on stage, the Magnificent Canary. I fully would. Yeah. Have that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And then I'm thinking with the wing. Ah, oh, I have a whole act in my head for you. Yeah. Oh, great. Not <laughs> in five. <laughs> so we'll just pause this recording and then we'll do that. Great. Um, and and. And just one more question, which isn't necessarily about um, cabaret or confidence or or even feng shui necessarily, but what is the favorite lesson that you've learned this far in your life? Yeah, great question. Um, I've learned that everything that I experience has to do with the drama that I have in my mind. So... <laughs> You know, if I'm having a good day, maybe the drama's tuned down. If I'm having a really disruptive day, that drama is probably heightened and I need to learn to dial it back. Wow. I, I am somewhat speechless because that is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And you could not have said that to two bigger drama queens. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I will slash everything and stamp out of this room. <laughs> so that is a really beautiful soundbite for me. Yeah. Thank you for that. Of course. And of course, I have one final question for you today, which is, where can we find you? Oh, great question. Um, so you can find me at my website at fengshuicanary.com or social media on Facebook or Instagram at fengshuicanary. Perfect. Thank Perfect. You. And I, so I actually literally picked up my phone to do it and I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It has been such a pleasure to discuss all this with you today. Thank you, uh, honestly. The, the 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 knowledge basis that you have and the, the the way in which you talk about feng shui is just really interesting and really evocative and so i couldn't thank you enough for, for taking the time out to speak with us today and to speak with our audience thank you of course thank you for having me it was so much fun talking with you guys oh absolutely anytime come back anytime we love this <laughs>
<laughs> Anytime. Yeah. I'm, and, and you just know I'm going to be running through my house after this. <laughs> oh, fully. Yeah. I'm going straight to the Instagram and checking all the stuff I can. Um, absolutely. I'm on it. So thank you to everybody who's come to listen to the podcast today. It has been such a pleasure to have you here and to be hearing and talking to the amazing Betty Wang. Thank you so much for discussing this with us today. And if you are listening, make sure you go and check out the Feng Shui Canary on uh, Instagram and on fengshuicanary.com. Thank you so much for joining us. And don't forget today, this is Confidence Through Cabaret, the podcast, and we're reminding you that it is... Oh, I forgot to say my name. I didn't We're do my name. reminding you that it is Ryan. It is Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Heather. And I'm Betty. And it is your body, your, body your, world, your world, your world, your stage. Your stage. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Goodbye.